episode two of Soul, Purpose, and Sisterhood. I am your host, Aaliyah McDaniel, and you can find me on all social media as Hey Mrs. McDaniel, and that's Hey with three Y's. For those of y'all that know me and those of you guys that don't, let me give you guys some ground rules. Number one, we have fun. We don't take ourselves too seriously. We realize that we are all in this together, and so we are here as sisters. Number two, um, I have some content plans, but we know I'm going to let the spirit use me as a shell and we'll see where we go from there. Number three, you might need to listen to this a few times. The first time just to be in the cipher and the spirit with me. The second time you might need to sit down and take some notes. And the third time you might need to rewind back and forth to places that apply to you. And the fourth rule is that this is a judgment-free zone. So wherever you are in your journey of healing, wherever you are in your journey of self-love, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you are welcome and just be ready to be open and to receive whatever it is that's for you on your heart. So in this episode number two, we're going to be talking about heartbreak, guilt, and forgiveness. And this is really a continuation of our conversation last week about healing, about the real reason why shit just isn't going right for you is because there are some things in your life that you've been avoiding. And in this episode, we're going to go a little bit deeper into not only what are we avoiding, but what do the lessons of heartbreak and relationship and guilt and shame really teach us about forgiveness? And on top of that, what is really forgiveness and what is it not? So let's go ahead and jump right in. As a quick recap, healing. Let me just lay some lay this out for you. A lot of times we think that healing is this perfect um, linear trajectory that has a definitive start and a definitive end time. And we also think that healing is something that the most evolved people have done. And that if you aren't in this place of just complete bliss and joy, then you're doing something wrong. Let me just dispel those myths right now. First of all, healing is not linear. Healing is not linear. Healing is not linear. That means that there might be times where you have moments of accelerated growth and there might be times where you just sit that you feel like you've plateaued and that you've been stuck and that you've been stagnant for a while. At the same time, we might need to come back to certain lessons over and over again in order for it to really have its true impact on your life. So that's the first thing that I want you to know about healing. The second thing is that healing is always evolving. There is never this moment that you're magically done. You might have, you know, really dealt with and confronted and got into a healthy place with one issue. And then before you know it, there's a deeper layer to that and that you're just peel back those onion layers and there's more that has been exposed that you weren't even aware that's there. So healing is an an evolutionary, evolutionary, excuse me, and an ever evolving process. And on that, That brings me to my third point. Healing is incomplete. As long as you have breath in your body, as long as you have life in your body, there's going to be always something new that you are discovering that about yourself. And as much as we might want to dismiss the past and be over the past, it has left an imprint on the person that you are right now. And there is no shame and no wrong in the fact that that healing journey may never be over while you are on this side of of life. 
But what it does do is that it always, always, always brings you forward momentum. We can look back and see that the people that we were five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, or in my case, 40 years ago, is not the person that you have in front of you right now. And so regardless of the peaks and the valleys and the change and the resistance and the difficult times and the happiness, happy times, in a net effect, you are further along on your journey or you are further along in this phase than you were in the past. So now that we got that part out of the way about what healing is, let me tell you one thing that you may not know. And this is something that the church has gotten wrong. This is something that the black community has gotten wrong. This is something that has been wrong about the way that we've been taught and socialized as women. So let me hear you. Let me tell you this right now. Let you hear this first from me. The most important person that you need to forgive and the only person that you ever need to forgive is yourself. Let me say that again. The journey to healing and the journey to wellness means that the only person that you need to forgive and the most important person that you need to forgive is yourself. Because when we don't forgive ourselves, we dwell in this place of shame. We dealt, we, excuse me, y'all, I'm stuttering. I think I might be a little bit nervous or a little bit something, but you know, this message is going to come out one way or the other. And I'm not about to hit stop, play, rewind, anything else again. So let me say that again, that when we don't forgive ourselves and truly forgives ourselves and prioritize forgiving ourselves, then not only do we dwell in a place of shame, but we end up in a place of self-sabotage and punishing ourselves for all the things that we think that we were supposed to do, self-sabotaging by not allowing ourselves to realize our fullest potential, punishing ourselves with guilt about being too much or being not enough. And then on top of that, when we don't forgive ourselves, we live in this place of victimhood versus survivor, and we continue to re-victimize ourselves. And when we punish ourselves continuously and when we self-sabotage and when we victimize ourselves, we are truly doing violence to our own bodies, to our own psyches, to our own personhood. And I'm going to tell you why I know this. But before I jump into my story and why this is so, um, so much on my heart and why I'm so passionate about this, let me ask yourself, because some of you guys are already trying to skip and fast forward and not face this, but I'm going to ask you right now. What is that thing that you know in your heart that you really need to forgive yourself, even if at the same time in this moment, you don't think that you deserve to be forgiven for it? What is that thing that you still feel an immense amount of guilt and shame about? What is that thing that you've been stuffing down and not wanting to deal with about yourself? What is that thing that you feel bad about and that you always think about the woulda, shoulda, coulda? What are those things that you tell yourself that you should be over or you shouldn't be doing or you shouldn't have done? And that if you had only done this certain thing or had only been this certain person, then your life would be different. That's that thing I want you in your mind right now and in your heart right now to keep on your left shoulder. Because as I go through my story about why I knew that I needed to work on forgiveness about myself in the places that I had shame, I want you to reference your own story because there's somebody out here that this story is your story and there's glimpses of the things that you're dealing with in yourself. 
And I also want you to keep this on your left shoulder because after I finish telling you my story, like I told you guys in episode one, I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm going to give you some real practical steps about what you can do to, um, to deal with your stuff and to forgive yourself. Um, and so if you haven't already, let me just take this moment and shout myself out right now. Go ahead and share this with a friend. Tell them to come through and get this free coaching. Tell them to go ahead and get their, their healing and their deliverance as the folks used to say in the church. So let me tell you about my story and why this is so near and dear to my heart and how I came to this place 40 years on this planet, almost 41 years. Um, hey, I am a woman likes to tell her age because I'm damn proud about being um, having made this age and having been um, able to be on this planet for this long and being able to make the growth and progress that I have. And I venture to say that you deserve to be just as proud about yourself as well. But I wasn't always this person. And I grew up with a lot of trauma. I grew up with a lot of trauma. And one thing I've learned in my adult life is that trauma isn't exactly what you think it is. Of course, it's, you know, the obvious thing sometimes about seeing or witnessing violence, um, going through a major health challenge. But what what the studies say is that there are specific um, traumatic events that many people have gone through that are not always named as trauma. And as a result, we have so many adults that are going through this life having experienced trauma and not dealt with it. And it's hardwired the way that that they interact with the world. It's hardwired the way that they interact with themselves. And it really colors the kinds of opportunities that they allow for themselves and also the damage that gets done to their own body. And on top of not knowing their own trauma, a lot of times they not only punish their own bodies for that trauma, but they end up replicating those same um, cycles in their children and the people around them. So I'm going to make a note to myself that in the show notes, I'm going to um, drop down some information about what are specific types of trauma that children often go through that we may not have named that, but actually has a deep um, impact on their lives. Because I've realized that some people might go through that list and realize for themselves that they've actually um, have experienced way more trauma than they've allowed themselves to identify and then consequently allowed themselves to heal from. So I can say, and I know as an adult that I went through a lot of trauma growing up um, to protect the innocent and and to also be aware that the people that might be listening to this, I'm not going to bleed all over this this, um, podcast and tell you every single moment of trauma, but I promise you if you listen with me and stay with me a while, if you've been following me on my blog or on my social media platforms, you've seen glimpses of it. But what I can tell you is that the net effect of that trauma is that it taught me at a very, very young age to be codependent. Specifically, it taught me that I was responsible for the adults in my life. I was responsible for how they felt. I was responsible for their stress. I was responsible for their physical ability to provide for me. And I took that that responsibility on, not because anyone ever told me that, but that's how as a child I rationalized. And what that also did for me is that it taught me that If I don't need anything, if I don't require anything, whether it's physical or emotional or mental, then I therefore would be, I'm better if I don't need anything, or I'm more helpful, or I'm more deserving if I don't need anything. 
And so what that also ended up teaching me at a very young age was that if I shrink myself, if I become um, a person that doesn't need anything, then somehow I'm noble. And I think oftentimes in our communities and our cultures that that message is replicated in so many ways, both consciously, overtly, and also some subconsciously and subtly. So often we're taught that, you know, that we that we're noble if we can make do without that we're noble if we can go without that we can do very little. We're noble if we're able to endure and overcome and deal with all of these things. And that message really seeped into my brain at a young age. As a result, I took that belief into my relationships. And I'm not talking about one particular relationship. I'm talking about the majority, if not all of my adult relationships. But I took on it with this additional layer. I took these this codependency and this codependent mindset into relationships where I thought that it was my job and my duty to rescue others. So I sought out people that I thought um, needed help in some kind of way because I thought that, you know, I'm smart. I had this knack for seeing patterns. I had this thing for encouraging. I'm a great teacher and leader. And somehow I was supposed to do this to the people that were in my that I was in a relationship with. And I thought that, you know, it was my job to heal, to help and to heal others and to rescue them from their own shit. The other thing that I realized that this codependency did was that it subconsciously, and I didn't know this at the time, but it subconsciously created this feeling in me that as long as I was focusing on other people's brokenness and other people's issues and other people's traumas that I thought was so much bigger than mine, that in the way who I was and what I was going through and my own brokenness and my own trauma wasn't as bad. So to be real plain about it, by focusing on other people's shit, it in a way kind of elevated my own sense of self and my own sense of who I was and made me feel better about myself because at least I wasn't as bad as X, Y, Z. The other thing that that this codependency did for me was that it made me want to distance myself from my past and from my childhood trauma, both physically and psychologically. I didn't have to deal with with all of that stuff of my past if I can move 3000 miles away and focus on healing and fixing other people. And, you know, when I'm 20 something and when I'm 19, that sounded like the right thing to do. Even so much so that I remember once I became born again in the, in the Christian faith when I was in eighth grade and I took this into middle school and high school was this belief that I'm not supposed to date unless it's to be marriage minded. And even though I realized I was a lesbian at 14, I still took that mentality into my relationships. And part of what that mentality did means that anybody that I was connected to, you know, sexually or emotionally, all of a sudden had to be my all and had to be the one person. And I couldn't say no, or I couldn't let, I couldn't leave them after a couple of weeks. So after I started to see their shit and I thought it was my job to stay and to remain loyal to this because that's what I was being taught in my faith at the time. And if you're just joining me on episode two and not episode one, let me be clear that I don't identify as a Christian anymore, but that's the faith that I was, that I grew up into. And it's actually part of my culture as um, a black woman in America. And it is part of um, the foundation of my ancestors. And because I practice ancestor worship in, in, part of my own religious journey, which I'm going to talk about in episode three, that, you know, Christianity is very parallel to 
um, what I do and how I experience life now in a cultural sense. So all this time that I thought that I was doing the right thing in these relationships, when in reality, I was just projecting my own brokenness and projecting my own codependency, I was causing myself so much pain, y'all, and even more trauma than, um, I shouldn't say more trauma, I would say additional trauma than what I had already experienced the first 18 years of my life. Because what this ended up doing was that I was pouring into other people without reciprocation. And I thought that was okay for so long. And actually, I knew it wasn't okay, but I taught myself that if I just stay and I just endure and I just stay loyal, then eventually I would get back what I need. Eventually, I would get back that emotional support. Eventually, I would get back that love and that comfort and that safety that I was pouring out to others. I also caused myself pain because I allowed myself to be used for the resources that I could provide. And that's being used from everything from a place to stay, to money, to emotional support and everything in between. I also caused myself pain because I believed the false promises that were coming to me in in a variety of ways. And every time my heart was broken or disappointed, I still stayed, which put me back in those situations and allowed that to come to me. Because even though I didn't, I didn't go out and tell somebody, break my heart or lie to me, I stayed. And you know what they say, you teach people how to treat you. And that's what I was teaching people. And finally, it caused me so much pain because I stayed and participated in relationships where people were demeaning to me and belittling me, not only in their words, but also in their actions. The last part, I'm going to say this part because one of the reasons why I struggled with what to name these relationships, some might cause them, call them abusive. Some people might cause them toxic. Some people might just call them immature. And at this point, the label itself doesn't matter. But what What was difficult for me in trying to organize and try to make sense of what was happening was also me acknowledging that being in these these unhealthy relationships for nothing else, they were unhealthy and not dealing with my shit and not dealing with my codependency issue was that it really um, allowed me to operate from my lower self. I can say in those relationships that I was not my best self. I was not the person I am today. I am not proud of the way that I behaved in reaction uh, in reaction to the trauma that I was dealing with in the relationship and also in reaction to the trauma that I hadn't dealt with in my childhood. And so as a result, I was super passive aggressive. I know I was mean and using mean words and mean language. I know that I had this certain level of arrogance and disdain and that and that was clear in the way that I in, that I interacted with my partners. And so while I'm not proud of how I was and while I'm not saying I made people treat me in this kind of way, what I can say was that I didn't say no to the treatment that was coming my way and that I allowed myself to stay in those relationships. And I also operated from a really ugly place in my own psyche, regardless of all the justification that I had at the time. And, you know, to tell the truth is to tell the truth and I have to call a thing a thing and there's no way that I can move on in my healing journey if I can't acknowledge not only what happened to me but in the role that I played in it. So let me let me pause you for a second and ask yourself what what are the history that you've been through because the reason why I'm focusing on my relationships is because I really believe that 
what we endure and what we believe about ourselves and where we are in our journey manifests in the relationships that we have. And let me be clear when I say manifest. I am not saying to the woman that's going through an abusive relationship, you manifested that or this is your fault. But what I am saying is that there is certainly a part of ourselves that believes that we have to stay or believe that we deserve to be in that. And there's a part of ourselves even that somehow is attracted to that, at least at least initially in the beginning. We're not attracted to being beat up. We're not attracted to being cussed out, but we're attracted to broken people in a certain kind of way that may not have been there if we hadn't had the traumas that we did or may not have been there if we hadn't if we had dealt with the the issues that we had. So I want you to really take this moment to just pause and start to identify what is coming up for you in your relationships, both platonic and romantic. And what is that starting to um, maybe shed some light on? that you may not be 100% comfortable about 100% admitting to yourself, but create this as a bookmark. And here's your first thing I want you to write down. I want you to write down what is the history of your own relationships? Just write it out. What's the history of your relationships? And I promise you that as you do that, some things are going to start to emerge. So here's the next thing. When I was at my lowest, when I was at my lowest, when I was at my lowest, I had this revelation and the revelation that I had was that I needed to love myself. And that seems really obvious. But what I realized was that I was asking someone to love me more than I was willing to love myself. And I was asking for somebody else to do the work that I wasn't willing to do for myself. And I realized that I needed to go on this journey about what did it mean to truly love myself? What did it mean to really pour into myself? What did it mean to prioritize myself? And not just because I had this egocentric way of wanting to, you know, walk around like my shit didn't stink and think that I'm Beyonce, even though y'all know I am the queen bee in my own right. But because I realized I had this responsibility to my child. I had this responsibility to model for her about what did it mean to be healthy? What did it mean to be in healthy relationships? What did it mean to love yourself? And what does it mean to have values and standards of yourself? But that journey wasn't easy and that journey came with the cost. And I don't want to minimize the cost because You know, again, people on the outside looking in might be, why did you stay with this person? Or why did you stay through that? Or why don't you just leave? We often hear, especially when we're talking about women that are going through domestic violence situation, why don't they just leave? But people don't realize the cost of what it means to leave um, an unhealthy relationship and the cost of what it means to be able to love yourself and the cost. And we all have cost of what it means when you choose yourself. It's going to come at a cost. And for me, choosing myself meant the cost of that was divorce and all of the shit that goes along with that. The cost of choosing myself and going on this journey meant embarrassment because people couldn't understand why I would make, you know, these life changes that not only impacted myself, but impacted um, my partner and impacted my child. And it came with a deep amount of shame, shame for um, being in, for choosing a relationship that I probably shouldn't have, shame for disappointing my partner, shame for disappointing my family. And there's just so much shame in all kinds of ways. And that guilt and shame wasn't something to be taken lightly. 
and I can say this now from a place of not crying because I know what I dealt with and I know that that was part of the process, but I knew that I wasn't going to let that process define me. But remember when I told you that healing is not linear and that we have, you know, valleys and peaks and that we go backwards and we go forwards that, you know, that there is not this neat linear growth. And so for me, because even though I knew I needed to choose myself and I knew I needed to learn about self-love and I made so many strides and steps in that, that guilt was extremely overwhelming. And that guilt meant that even though I knew in my heart that I made that I made the right choice of choosing myself and learning to love myself, the shame I had on the impact on other people was relentless. And it caused me to really question myself and it led to more choices and relationships and heartbreaks that ultimately I truly thought were going to destroy me. It was going to destroy me. And I don't mean that in a very flippant way, but I mean that it, it threatened to really destroy my livelihood. It threatened to destroy my, my life in a lot of ways, both, you know, and I don't want to talk about it in this episode, but I remember the moments where I truly did not believe that I could carry breath in my body and I didn't believe that I can go on living and I didn't believe that I can be ever successful or worthy of love because being in this place for a few years of guilt just really just pushed me. It literally pushed me to my knees. And I remember the days where I couldn't go through a day without a breakdown. And what I did know was that Somehow I needed to live and I needed to flourish, but the way that I was operating wasn't enough. And so I remember the day that I prayed, I prayed to the goddess of destruction. And even though I'm not um, initiated into, um, into Orisha culture and religion, I'm sorry, I just went completely blank. I prayed and I prayed to Oya and I said, Please destroy everything that isn't for me. Take away everything out of my life that isn't for me. I'm willing in this moment to have everything taken away from me. And so much things did get taken away from me. And I was surrendered to that process. And what I learned in that moment was that on a very basic level, and I say this to my clients that I coach, I didn't die. I didn't die. And that might seem really um, simplistic, but the reality is that sometimes we endure situations because we don't know what's on the other side. And so for nothing else, when I learned to surrender, when I learned to truly let go, when I truly just opened myself up to experience every and anything and truly opened up my heart, I realized that I wasn't going to die. And instead, I learned that I could be carried by those people that are closest to me and who those people are that are closest to me are not those that I thought were going to be. It ended up being a whole new set of people that were not there with me in the beginning. They weren't there shooting with me in the gym, but they were those people that walked by my side and didn't let me die. I learned that I was surrounded by a pantheon, a pantheon that existed of my ancestors, a pantheon that both my ancestors, both known and unknown, of my angels, of all of the ascended masters, Jesus being one of them, and ultimately of the ultimate divine master, spirit, universe, consciousness, 
whatever you want to name that great it. But I learned that I was surrounded by them. And because of that, I couldn't fail. And that surrender allowed me to go to therapy and actually tell the truth in therapy because so many of us go to therapy and we just be lying our asses off. And we may not lie overtly, but we lie by omission and we lie about, you know, the deep pain and scars that we're really experiencing. We lie about our coping strategies. We lie about, you know, I'm fine. I'm doing okay. Yeah, I'm doing these things. We lie about maybe some of the difficult places we continue to find ourselves in. We lie about who we're having sex with. We lie about how much we drink. And so when I went to therapy, I I decided that I was going to be honest and true and that I was not going to choose a therapist that I can manipulate. And so surrender taught me that I can really be open to healing. Surrender also taught me that um, it allowed me to be on a spiritual journey as well and be really open to listening and to speaking and to rituals that I hadn't been before. Surrender taught me how to be quiet and how to have rest because in those two things, I was able to restore my body, but I was also able to listen and to tap into my spirit and tap into my gifts. Surrender taught me how to go into the quiet of my soul. And in that surrender, I realized that my actions were really, my previous actions were really a result of who I thought I was and who I thought I wasn't. I realized on that journey that I wasn't acting in integrity with my true values. And I realized that I wasn't believing that I was worthy. And ultimately, what I realized on that journey was that I had to forgive myself. I had to forgive myself for all that I had been through, all that I thought that I was, and all that I thought that I wasn't. Because forgiveness was the only way that I can set myself free from this cycle of pain, violence, and victimhood that I was inflicting on myself. And so... On that journey, I read this amazing book, and I'm going to mess up the name of the title, but I'll make sure that I put it in my show notes. Um, But it's a book by um, Bishop Desmond Tutu, and it's a book about forgiveness. Let me go ahead and pull it up real quick, because I still keep um, a screenshot of the book in my, my phone because I reference it so much. The book is called The Book of Forgiving by Desmond Tutu and Mfo Tutu. I might be mispronouncing that. But in the book, it really talked about this external experience of forgiving and how people that had gone through the Rwanda genocide had to learn to forgive um, the people that um, that annihilated them. But I'm not going to talk about forgiveness from that from that place, because I'm not at the place in my journey where. I am 100% sold on needing to forgive others. I think too often we jump to trying to forgive other people. And as a result, we, we don't forgive ourselves. And as a result, we don't acknowledge that we deserve protection. We don't acknowledge that we don't deserve to have pain inflicted on us. And we don't, and we don't acknowledge that it's our right to defend ourselves. And there's a lot of ways that we can defend ourselves and protect ourselves that may not fall into this neat um, definition of forgiveness. But what I did find really helpful about this book was that the stages that it established for forgiveness are really stages that you can apply to forgiving yourself. 
And so um, here are the stages that they talked about, about what does it mean? Um, it's a fourfold path to forgiveness that really helps you, again, like I said, get out of this place that you're causing further violence, victimhood, and harm to yourself. So this is a moment I'm going to put another bookmark number two that you need to go and, you know, make sure you take some notes because I'm going to go through those four stages of of forgiveness. And if you are a pattern seeker like me or you're strategic like me, you might have already been able to glean, glean the four stages out of the story I told you guys about my own journey. I believe in stories because not only does it allow you to know that you are not the only one going through this, but it's such an amazing teaching tool. And that's why if you are coming from the Christian tradition that Jesus spoke in parables because the ancient philosophers of that time and even before knew that the way that you can go directly to a person's heart is by teaching through stories. So the first, the first step of choosing forgiveness is to tell the story. It means to tell the whole story, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, but it means to tell the whole story about what happened. A lot of times we worry that if by telling the whole story that we somehow are going to, we want to avoid the pain and we want to avoid the um, those ugly feelings that we felt and we want to avoid the vulnerability. And so we don't often tell the whole story about what happened. And as a result, we can't heal if we don't tell the pure, unadulterated truth. So that's the first step to choosing forgiveness for yourself. Tell the whole story of what happened to you and what you did. So remember when I told you earlier in this podcast that you have this thing and you have these relationships and you have this you have this this place that you know that you have some guilt and shame about that you need to heal and I told you to put it on your left shoulder. Now we're going to go back to that story. So I want you to tell the story. Take some time. Don't just tell it to you in your head. I want you to actually write it all the way out. Put pen to paper, and I mean pen to paper, not even fingers to keys, and write out the whole story. The second part of what you're going to do is you're going to name the hurt. Name what the actual hurt was that you experienced as a result of this, this guilt that you, the story that you were in. What was truly the real emotion. What hurt you about it? How did it hurt you? How did it affect you? What is the actual scar that in some time you're going to be able to bear witness to? So for example, in my story, I told the hurt about the shame that I had and the guilt that I have about choosing me. I also told the story and named the hurt that I experienced in the ugly ways that I behaved in relationships in the past. So after you tell the story, you're going to name the hurt. The third thing that you're going to do, and this is the part that we often skip to or we think that we're doing is forgive. But let me tell you what forgiveness really is. Forgiveness is not saying forgiveness is not a pardon. A lot of times we think about forgiveness means I pardon you and I no longer want you to suffer the, the consequences for your actions. And that's oftentimes the way that forgiveness is described in the judicial system. And that's also the way that forgiveness is described too often in the church. We think about, you know, this, this savior coming down and granting us mercy. But let me tell you that that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is choosing to know and to believe and to receive that we have humanity. Forgiveness is willing to know and willing to own that each of us have humanity. 
And what humanity means is that we are neither all good nor all bad. And that's okay because that's what it means to be human. What it means to be human is to be flawed, imperfect. It also means to be perfect in some ways and not perfect in others. And it means that as long as we have breath in our bodies and we have life in this plane on an in, and in this um, transition and in this phase, that we're never going to have that perfection that we have created in our head about what the deities above us have. And when you're able to know and recognize your own humanity, you realize in actuality, there's nothing to forgive about yourself. There's nothing wrong with having a human experience because you are human. There's nothing wrong with making mistakes or missing the mark because you're human. You know that there's no, there's no need and there's no um, call for you to be perfect. And that's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is recognizing your own humanity and letting yourself off of the hook for ever thinking that you needed to be perfect to begin with. And then the final step of this fourfold path of forgiveness is choosing to restore your relationship with yourself. Choosing to release this guilt about needing to be perfect and choosing to restore your relationship with yourself. And when we talk about restoring your relationship with yourself, I want you to think about it like how you restore a house. When we restore something that we love, we pour into it. We adorn it. We treat it and exalt it as if it's the best thing ever. We love on it. We treat it like it's a temple. We, we um, take time and we honor it. We prioritize it. We don't allow ugly and evil things into it. We draw lines and boundaries. And so you restore, you restore, you restore your relationship with yourself. And for many of us, that restoration is actually going to begin, actually going to be a new beginning because you probably have never loved yourself that way. And so for those of you guys that can't even conceive about what it might be to love yourself and to restore yourself, I want you to see yourself as God, as the divine, as your grandparents, as your, as your ascended masters, as your ancestors see you. They see you as worthy. They see you as beautiful. Your children, whether they're in this plane or the next plane, are not even here yet. They see you as the best thing since sliced bread. And that's what it means to restore yourself. It means to not defile yourself. It means to pour into yourself and you are your own living temple. And so when you're able to go through that fourfold path of forgiveness, I, I'm just, I just became overwhelmed when all that becomes possible for your life. So much more becomes possible for your life than you ever knew possible. Because oftentimes we see our options as option one, two, or three. But when we go on this forgiveness journey and when we heal from the heartbreak and the guilt that we've experienced, what becomes true is colors that you've never seen, opportunities that you never paid attention to, options that are out there that you couldn't conceive of. And so here are my takeaways for you about why this is so worth it and what is possible for you and what you need to realize and kind of recap about this whole um, podcast. The first thing that I want you to take away, if you don't do anything else and you become overwhelmed and you just have so much going through your mind, let me just put a bow on this for you. Number one, your patterns in life, 
Your patterns and relationships are telling you where you need to heal and where you need to forgive. Number two, you cannot heal without telling the full truth of what happened to you, your role in it, and why you made those choices in your life. Number three, forgiving yourself requires you to embrace your own humanity. Notice I didn't say recognize or know your own humanity, but I said to embrace. That means to bring it from your head to your heart. That means to wrap your arms around it and to envelop your body around it and to integrate your whole knowing and become congruous with this knowledge that you are human. You are not meant to be perfect. Number four takeaway is surrender, surrender, surrender to this process. Because you know what? You're not going to die. And number five, I want you to know that what is in front of you is far greater than what you can ever know or conceive at this place on your journey. So take a moment with me to just breathe all of that in and breathe out with your whole mouth. I want you to breathe in again and breathe out with your mouth. Releasing all that fear and tension and worry and concern and emotions that this brought up. And I want you to breathe in for a final time and breathe out through your mouth and release. I believe in you. I love you. I am excited for you. And I want you to come back next week because we're going to be talking about my spiritual journey. But... Before we even talk about next week, be sure to subscribe, comment, um, and share. Be sure to, if you have a question or a thought that's on your mind, hit me up. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram. Um, my social media handle is Hey Mrs. McDaniel with three three Ys. You can also hit me up in my inbox at Aaliyah at AaliyahMcDaniel.com. So that concludes our episode two on heartbreak, guilt, and forgiveness. And I can't wait to hear your questions, um, your shout outs. I can't wait to hear what's on your mind about this. Thank you guys. And I love you until next time.